The first reading is taken from Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 16, and may be found on page 12 of the Church Bible's Old Testament section. Now Sarah, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abraham, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abraham agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abraham had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abraham, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now she knows she is pregnant. She despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abraham said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me, for she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the Gospel reading. This is taken from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10, and may be found on page 79 of the Church Bible's New Testament section. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he went ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stir at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. 
And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As we remain standing, let me lead you in a prayer. Your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our paths and we pray each day for each one of us that that would be the case and especially today for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, You can have all sorts of churches, tall spires, small spires, uh, but there is something generally true in my estimation and I think in others that churches where you look at all the Bible and not just a bit are those that you might anticipate God's blessing in. It's not that those with tall spires get blessed and those with short spires don't, but it is the case that if you have the courage to look at parts of the Bible you might choose to ignore or find difficult, uh, all of God's blessing comes from considering all of God's word. And Genesis chapter 16 could easily be left out. But to do so, to follow my short creed just now, would be to negate some of God's blessing. I want to introduce what is therefore a hard topic to speak about. I mean, you've just picked up Abraham and Sarai have a domestic. It's domestic that verbally goes from bad to worse. She says to him, off you go, use her, and he does, and they have a child. So in this particular story, how do we make of this in the broader context? Before we look at the story, wait for it in detail, uh, we need to take a step back and perhaps look at St. Paul's words And we're going to conclude with Jesus' words. Neither Paul nor Jesus ducked hard things in the scriptures. It was what they read. It was what they lived from. That's Paul and Jesus. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 that all creation waits for the revealing of the children of God. And later on in Romans chapter 8, it seems as if this waiting... This exercise in patience is a groaning before which all the children of God are to be fully revealed. And it's not just us that are groaning, it's the whole of creation. Another natural disaster. Even in family life, whilst I've only observed 61 years of what happens on planet Earth, it seems to me that domestic family difficulties aren't getting easier, they're getting harder. Church attendance is not going up. It's going up here. I'll be watching if you don't come back next week. But nationally, it's going down. And we could groan, how much longer is this going to go on? Except when Paul is waiting with patience, When Paul is longing and groaning for the children of God to be revealed, he's not being impatient, he's being actively patient. And that's where we meet Genesis chapter 16, 
Abraham and Sarai, colluding together, not with active patience, to wait on God's promise, but taking matters into their own hands. Maybe they just had enough. Can't take it anymore. She says to him, you're not working. It hasn't happened yet. I haven't got a child. She even brings not the vicar in or a sermon in, but God in. God hasn't sorted this out yet, has he? So I've got a plan, Sarai says to Abraham, my slave girl, Hagar. Pardon the French. Have her. Off you go. There's the room. Get on with it. She to him. We're only 16 chapters after Genesis chapter 3 where you have another episode. I'm starting to get on dodgy ground now where another she says to him happens. Remember that one? Go on, it looks good. Take of the apple. You have it. Now before I get into serious trouble, it's not all she to him. Okay, it very often is, and I'll put my hand up, it's often time him to her. It can't always be the case, yes dear. Good marriages, good friendships, say when someone else is losing patience, even if they're bringing God into the equation. God hasn't sorted this out yet, Abraham. You better help me out. They've got the courage to say, no dear, this isn't right. Two are better than one, because when one falls, the other lifts them up. In this particular tragic story of the Bible, churches which aren't blessed, ignore. Churches which are blessed, yeah, look at it. He and she both said, no God. Let's take matters into our own hands. Hagar, come on, off we go. So first of all then, Abraham, his promise of faith to be the father of many nations. See the stars in the sky, the sand beneath your feet. This is faith, trusting God. Except at the moment, it didn't happen. Faith, it's failure. We're going to look at faith, it's forgiveness. And then finally, faith, it's fortitude or the strength that comes when God forgives and we're allowed to be strong. You've seen the failure there. Hagar produces a child. It's fascinating where Hagar is then running to, found of course by the Lord, she runs to Shur, which is east of Egypt. And as I never tire of saying, as soon as Adam and Eve are over, and God's promise of mercy and goodness to bless the human race happens, it happens always east of Eden. It happens where all of us can potentially fall and fail. I was reading some correspondence in a magazine I'm quite fond of 
and it described the difference between a young person falling, having a trip, and an older person falling. It's as if the legs have just given way. One has a, you fall. The other description is, when your legs give way, you have a fall. Now, my mother, who's 95, if she has a fall, you would understand it. But my daughter, who ran 50 miles last week, if she has a fall, you just say, well, she's tired after 50 miles, or she's just clumsy. But the story of the Christian scriptures is both Adam and Eve, Abraham and Sarai, fell. And somehow we need to recognize even though we're in church today, we are fallen. We need, as Sarai and Abraham did, forgiveness. Sometimes, and I'm sure you'll recognize this yourself, it might be easier to let God forgive you than to forgive yourself. But notice some of the damages and consequences of their failure. It happened to Hagar. It wasn't just that Abraham and Sarah had an argument. Sarah even comes out with an amazing riposte to all this. Sometimes if you don't take action, things go from bad to worse. And Sarah even says, well, look, she's getting cross with me. Well, why are we thinking, well, that was never going to happen? Hagar is mistreated. And the Lord then meets her it actually says, in her distress. Interesting phrase, isn't it? Fallen people, who comes running? If Hagar is running away, notice who is following after her. Who says, where are you, Hagar? Why are you hiding there? Do you remember the reprise, not just from Abraham and Sarah, the domestic, but from Adam and Eve, another domestic. And what are they doing? They're running away. Who comes to find them? Who comes to say, where are you? I was hiding. Uh, where are you? Well, I'm running away because I'm distressed. Who comes to seek out those who have the courage to admit that they failed, to admit that they need forgiveness? even though it can be hard to receive. Commentators argue about whether this is a messenger from the Lord, whether it's an angel of the Lord, whether it's the Lord himself. On balance, we're led to believe that Jesus Christ himself is appearing to this situation. Marvelously, Hagar does meet an angel of the Lord a messenger or God himself. And the revelation comes as you've just had read to you in verse 13. So she named the Lord who spoke to her, you are Eli, Roy, for she said, I have really seen God. In other words, this person whom she meets, this is Hagar, when he shows up, she says words to her soul that makes her realize that this is God. I have seen you and I live. That's what El Roy means, the God who sees. 
the God who sees what I've done, the God who looks after me, who sees me, who comes running after me, and who forgives me. One minister friend of mine told me of a congregation that when they sung the hymn, Forgive Me Not the Sins of My Youth, uh, the crescendo and the volume increased. (laughs) It makes you wonder what the congregation was up to as they were remembering the sins of their youth. But today we remember a God who comes looking for us, a God who sees, and a God who forgives. Notice too, this wonderful sense in which the Lord doesn't, as it were, strike Abraham and Sarai off. The Lord just doesn't ignore Hagar. In fact, the Lord seems to restore Abraham and Sarai. They both get new names. The stars and the sand do multiply and Hagar is looked after. In other words, we don't just have a God who sees, we have a God who forgives and we have a God who strengthens. The story is not over. It carries on. Do you know the Lord's forgiveness? Do you know what it means that when you're feeling weak, the Lord can draw alongside and be your strength and give you fortitude? How wonderful Paul's own words. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. I've referred to my mother who is going to be 95 in a couple of months' time. My sister and I had an interesting domestic issue with the gardener who is paid to look after her garden. And I've discovered recently that my mum is registered partially blind, so she can't see what the gardener's doing. You can probably see with where this story is going. But both my sister and I could see weeds growing, things not being attended. Well, a very short and swift management exercise. We're paying you to do this on your bike. <laughs> okay, you're gone. Just because mum couldn't see, someone else can. Hagar looks the Lord in the eye and says, you've come after me. You see me, and even through my son, according to the promise, Ishmael will live, and descendants will come after him. We started with words of Paul. You remember the groaning, and the sense in which the promise of the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, we need to be patient and wait Friends, don't make the mistake of Abraham and Sarah and give up on God, give up on faith. What's he promised you that you know you can rely on? Remember the words of Jesus, and we'll conclude with this, as I said I would. The greatest leader of the Christian church, Simon Peter himself, Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Peter, I can see right through you. I know what you're like. You've got Adam and Eve in you. But I have prayed for you, Peter. How did it end? That your faith might not fail. If you're listening to this, 
If you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you're thinking, how can that be made good? How can I be forgiven? Hear these words. Jesus is praying for you that your faith won't fail, that he'll strengthen you, that he will forgive you. And even if it's members of your own family, the Lord graciously and lovingly looked after Hagar. Shall we pray together? Father, for these uh, difficult passages, which perhaps relate to difficult parts of our lives or those we care for, we seek to be under your rule and your reign and experience your blessing day by day. Grant us your forgiveness. Grant us your power. Grant us even this day, and especially as we walk home, a renewed sense that you walk with us and will bless our lives, homes and families. For we ask it in Jesus' name.